Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. I would just like to point out that I don't know how you got back from your vacation, but I did not take a plane. <laughs> oh, you you didn't take one of the private jets I sent you? <laughs> I sent three. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, so for those of you who... Hi, folks. Uh, hi, uh, this is uh, Zompocalypse Now. We've been away. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm Tim. And I'm Dustin. And we're back. And we do not actually have the Walking Dead universe to talk about right now, although we actually mm. do a little bit. Yeah. Um, There's been news, news and such, thus and such, but nothing, nothing. We can't recap a show right. tonight because they, they don't got no shows to recap. No, and this is kind of just our, hey, guys, we're still alive show, I think, to some degree. Uh, yeah, because I think the plan was to take two weeks off for the holidays. Right, yeah, uh-huh. And I think it's been over a month. Yeah, <laughs> so. pretty much. So yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's always so. Even when it's just you and I, we we uh-huh. sometimes have run into the problem of of getting our schedules to line up. That's true, and it's I it's I've got to take more of the responsibility because you know I'm the one who you're the you you know you can you're pretty good about being available. I'm the one who's like. I just really had a rough day and I'd like to sleep tonight. So. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, like I said, it's these are things that happen in life. So we are back. We are alive. Um, if you caught the Facebook post that Dustin put up where he blatantly lied about <laughs> our wealth and influence uh, and... Uh, how we spent our holidays, but I did get to go to see my family, which is always great. Yeah, that's, that is great. I, um, I didn't have to go very far to see mine. Right. Uh, they're just down the hall, all of them, but I did get a visit from the lovely and talented Molly Montgomery and her brother. Saw uh, that. Years. Uh, unfortunately, um, Molly has this weird thing where she gets sick on new year's for some reason like the Mm -hmm. middle of the winter she always gets sick and she just so happened to be coming to texas and she was like i'm coming anyway (laughs) and so so molly and her brother ben came and spent uh, about four days here and we had a really great time and she sniffled and wheezed the whole time uh we went to uh, uh, San Antonio to the Alamo mm-hmm. and uh, it had been a really long time it had probably been over 20 years since I personally had been to the Alamo oh okay and uh, and you know it's one of those things like it's smaller than you realize uh, because the only thing that's left of the original structure of the original fort is the mission mm-hmm. uh, the rest of it has uh has over the centuries been, you know, torn down for other things or the build of the city of San Antonio. Right. And the really super bizarre thing about it now 
uh, is that right across the street from the Alamo, where the wall of the fort used to be, the right across the street from the mission, where the fort used to be, are all of these like super hokey tourist traps. Mm. It's like Branson. There's a Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> There's a, a haunted hay, like a, a 365 day a year, like haunted tourist ride. It's <laughs> crazy. And I was like, I remember this being like i you know i think there might have been like a cafe across the street when i came here when i was 16 you know so it was super strange to have like all of these like super touristy trappy things but of course then we went and walked around the river walk for a little while mm-hmm. uh, and that is very cool if you've you've ever have you ever been uh not to san antonio no i've no. been to uh i've been i spent a night in dallas I spent um, spent a weekend um, down. Oh, for heaven's sakes! Just drew a complete blank on on where it was. A uh, little tourist town down by One the other places. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, the Riverwalk is very cool because San Antonio is a big city, and you know it's very city and like. But then the river runs through it. And if you go down to the river walk, it's almost like you're entering another world. You're almost entering a small town Mm -hmm. because yeah, it's, you know, restaurants and bars and stuff, but they've really worked very, very hard to keep the actual looks of the, like the, the, the aesthetics of the river walk, like really nice and, Mm -hmm. you know, and peaceful and stuff. So it was really fun. We had a great time. That's good. Um, and you know, yeah. So that's that's what I did. Yeah, I mean, it was. It's been very strange. And uh, the for so many years, I had the kind of job where basically I really couldn't take time off mm-hmm. and couldn't really go anywhere and do anything. Um, you know, the advantages to some of that time was that I had a lot of flexibility to go make movies. Right. And I had that four four year block where basically about the only time I got out to do anything fun was with you and recording, uh, which conveniently was about the only time that you were getting out to do anything fun. <laughs> right. Because <clears throat> uh, of course this was a period when you know the the kids were all quite young and mm-hmm. um, and so you had a very limited footprint too. So you were kind of like support <laughs> each other's support animal during that period. Oh, definitely. Uh, but. Now, um, you know, I actually have the ability to go and do something somewhere else. So there is a plan afoot. I uh, I turn half a century this year. Oh, that's true. I remember. I am. I am not as young as I used to be. Uh, but then again, who is? That's and <laughs> uh, and there is a plan that, uh, that Jennifer we- Aniston. Jennifer Aniston is as young as she used to be. Actually, Salma Hayek also, I would say. And then Jennifer Lopez, they are all three as young as they used to be. Okay, just because someone stops actually aging in their 20s doesn't mean they're still not getting older. (laughs) Or at least they appear to be, because, yeah, no, they're, they're, all those women are aging beautifully. Uh, uh, They're, they're doing, they are just as lovely now, in some cases more so than when they were younger. Mm. Uh, But, uh, yeah, it's, there's a plan maybe to actually get to go down to say new Orleans for my oh, birthday. 
So that would be awesome. You know, uh, Emory, our friend Emory, will be done with school about that time, and um, you know, I've never been, so that would be a lot of fun. We're, we're going to see if we can make that happen because I could actually work from there uh, because of the job. Um, but you know, maybe take a few days off and not work. Mm-hmm. What a thought! <laughs> Send a note. Please do not ask me any questions while I'm away. (laughs) (laughs) But it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So, yeah. um, But, yes, we are back. We are going to be back in something resembling, like like I'm going to say we're going to be on a regular schedule. We don't do that. We do a semi-regular schedule. We do a good, we do a semi-regular schedule. We do fine. (laughs) You know, we do, we probably put out more, more podcast content than anyone with the amount of listeners we have deserves to put out. (laughs) (laughs) That is a, that is a statement while factually true is not necessarily (laughs) Uh, the most ringing endorsement of our work. But anyway. We're delightful. More people would realize we were delightful if they listened. It's true. This is very true. There's no argument there. Uh, but <laughs> So yeah, we are back. And we do have a show that is going to be coming to the Walking Dead universe. Yes. Walking Dead, the world beyond. Which is running for two seasons. And yes. they done. That that's a. I was going to bring that up. They've made a really strange announcement, especially when you consider the way Walking Dead shows have been running in the past, which is they have already said the 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 world beyond is going to be a set story. It's two seasons long, and then it's over. And you know that was one of those things, like especially considering that AMC has put out stuff like we can get keep walking that going forever you know it's it's a very interesting statement to be making well i think what's interesting to me is that of course and we've talked a little bit about this before is how very much the european uk model is a series runs for like six eight episodes and it's done yeah and you might have a couple of seasons um fleabag for example just did two seasons and it was done right and so because of the way we're consuming content now, a lot of this binge watching thing that people do, uh, where you listen down and of course just watch the episodes and tell the story's over. Um, so I think the American model is shifting a little bit, but it does actually maybe, and I, there's no way to know for sure yet, but it may actually solve one of the Walking Dead universe's biggest problem, which is we've got 10 episodes to fill or 16 episodes to fill, or 12 episodes to fill, but we have four episodes of story, and so we are going to have three episodes well, some... of people wandering in the woods. And... Right. Or looking at each other funny. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think, was, if you were going to recap what we have seen so far in in, in this season, it is... Everybody's looking at each other funny. <laughs> well, and then you go back over to Fear the Walking Dead, and it's everyone has a really bad plan. Yes. All the plans are really bad. Even even when they shouldn't be, even when they should be good plans. Well, I mean, at least the villains' plans are bad too. I mean, right. there's no nobody nobody's got a good plan, and every act every really good actor in that show is wasted. 
Yeah, that's true. Well, you know, we have to do what we can. I think I'm going to try uh, and and see if I can't accident like con, you know, Mo Collins or somebody to come on our show. That would be great. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna start actively stalking certain actors from from Fear the Walking Dead, and be like, "Hey, listen, listen, and do this for me. Be a be a buddy." But I don't think it'll work. Who knows? Give it a whirl. Watch watch me at and watch my watch my Twitter at the Night Dusto for for the stalking that I am about to begin on, on certain <laughs> certain members of the Fear of the Walking Dead cast. And comment and, and enjoy, retweet and and uh and maybe help me, you know, you, we can make it a group effort, me and the seven listeners. You know, sure. you know, I'll we'll we'll just like I'll I'll will be great. It'll be fun. But anyway, back to uh the world beyond. Mm-hmm. Uh, and their two seasons. I thought that was very interesting. Another thing that I thought was very interesting in the announcement was the date, the the timeline placement that uh, they they talked about. They said yeah. that that World Beyond was going to take place ten years after the zombie apocalypse and follow characters that had grown up in that universe in that world without you know with you know, but. Then I started thinking, uh, they with the time jump they did on the flagship show, it's set in the same time period. <laughs> it's like they didn't; they're not making any big leap of time period. It's just that this show and Fear the Walking and Walking Dead are going to be set at the same time. And now Fear the Walking Dead is still set like six years in the past. <laughs> well, no, it's a lot closer now because, of course, it's got Morgan. But remember, wife. the big time jump, the big time jump that happened, happened after Morgan left the flagship show and went to oh, the no. Because Morgan left, and then they did have a little mini time jump on Fear. I think that they had like an eight-month time jump. But for the most part... Well, how uh, long it took Morgan to get there. Yeah, because I mean, because you know as not years, not well. You, know, I, you don't know. Nobody knows how far anything is in the Walking Dead universe. It could have, you know. You got to remember. Remember, we're using the Judith timeline. He took he took a walk up through Canada, <laughs> and then looped yeah. back around and came up from Mexico. And you know, sure. No, you're right. Well. It, I'm shocked, shocked to find that the Walking Dead timeline is not exactly logical. Uh, oh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know what what we were thinking to ever put any kind of <laughs> thought of reality on that. Well, and uh, I mean, I, I, there's something to be said for moving it forward in time, where. I mean, completely out of the world that we're operating in because we right. hadn't gone there before. And that's true. And so that would be great. Uh, but I guess I'm not terribly surprised. It, you know, once you move something that far away from, or imply that you're going to move something that far away from, from the flagship show, you can never do a crossover. Mm-hmm. Or you can never do a crossover with the actors as they are now. True. Uh, 
So, I'm, but at the same time, if you're running it for two seasons, then stopping, I don't know that it matters as much. Um, well, you know, and, and it, it can, you know, these little, these little like quote unquote mini series style uh, uh, spinoffs can also like you can have characters show up and be important on, on the world beyond. And, you know, when that show's over, they can go and, you know, repopulate your, you know, it can be almost be like, like, you know, like these little spinoffs can be like the farm team. I was just thinking that, yeah, they feed, they feed the major league. Uh... Right. <laughs> well, you, yeah. you loved Jenny on, on walking dead, uh, cyber patrol. Now she's making the jump. She's making the jump from Walking Dead Cyber Patrol to Walking Dead the original show. Walking Dead Cyber Patrol. I'm 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 intrigued. I'm intrigued. Uh, it all well, I, I, you know the that kind of just sort of out there spinoff doesn't wouldn't necessarily be out of place. Uh, one of the things that also happened over the last couple of weeks is that Robert Kirkman on Twitter. Uh, apparently, in all seriousness, uh, confirmed what caused the zombie apocalypse. Oh, no. And he said it was space spores. And this actually fits because at one point it was going to be... Aliens. Well, it, well, it was going to be the original pitch, one of the original pitches, not the original pitch, but one of the original pitches for The Walking Dead uh, was that it was going to be essentially a sequel to uh, Night of the Living Dead. Which, of course, was caused by, if you watch the news stories in the Night of the Living Dead movies, you get the, you know, it was caused by something, you know, I think it was a comet, uh, yeah. something you know, caused it. So it was meant to sort of be this, you know, set in the same universe, and then, of course, it changed. But, um, you know, that's... it. There's no reason for us to ever actually get a reason on the show. So, yeah, if you've been hungering for an explanation, that's probably as good as you're going to get. I try honestly. I've really, over the years, kind of stopped paying any kind of attention to the things Robert Kirkman says. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think he he developed a little bit of that uh, Kevin Smith syndrome, mm. where it's like, I am a great creator. I made a thing everyone likes. Everybody wants to hear what I think about the thing. So uh, I just, sure, there's a little bit of that there. I would not. I would not disagree. So I just kind of, you know, like dropped him off of my social, my my pop culture radar for a lot of stuff. Well, you know, I just there aren't that many creators I follow in anything resembling, you know, yeah. a consistent way. Uh, I, you know, I follow James Gunn. I follow M.K. Jensen, who's a science fiction writer who I love. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, well, I, I'm talking about Twitter now. Like, right, I, right. you know, I pay attention to what they have to say on those. Uh, Joss Whedon, I'll always probably keep, like, a soft spot for him in my heart. Um, I had uh, a lot of crazy, like, the crazy J.K. Rawlings thing that happened over the holidays was nuts. And, sure, you know, I yeah. thought that was crazy. But I never followed her on social media, so I wasn't really paying that much attention until, you know, it came out that she was right. 
maybe a little crazy, you know? Well, you know, we, because, you know, shockingly, you know, Jason over on, when we do the H2O show, uh, because of our not necessarily uh, aligning political views uh, uh-huh. or diametrically opposed politically, <laughs> political views, you know, we, we periodically will butt heads on the whole, you know, cancer, cancel culture and, and, um, you know, the plight of the conservative online and, and other fun things like that. Uh, and we've talked several times about the fact that, you know, there's a real, it, 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 not everyone can do it and that's perfectly fine, but being able to separate the art from the creator, the death of the author can really be a good thing. If, if, If you, if you really enjoy something and then discover that you just cannot stand the person who created the thing, mm-hmm. um, it's okay to still love that thing and dislike the creator. It's okay. These are things you can do. You right. can do both of these things at the same time. I, I agree to an extent. Um, like I, I feel like, uh, like, you know, like certain, certain things like you really love the book, um, Ender's Game. Yeah. And I can't and, stand the guy who wrote it. And but and you've actually recommended that I read that book, but you didn't recommend that I read that book until it came out that that guy was kind of a homophobic asshole. And so I was like, I can't read that book. I can't sure. support that guy. Now it's different. Like you know, I'm I was a big Harry Potter fan. It was came on almost by accident. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I went and spent uh, a spring break at my roommate in college's house in Tennessee. And I was expecting, because he said he lived in Nashville, I expected a lot more, like, stuff to be available to do. And <laughs> there wasn't, because he didn't live in Nashville. He lived 40 miles outside of Nashville. Awesome. While I understand that particular lie, being that I live in the town where I live, um, I ended up reading uh, the first two Harry Potter books, like the first one in a day and the second one, like I finished it, you know, the super, super fast. Mm-hmm. And so it just like, I was able to really, you know, and, you know, for the most part, I feel like, uh, you know, this is a situation where it's JK Rowling's embodies that, you know, either you die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain sort of thing because she's always kind of championed different kind of social justice movements. And it just seems crazy that that she would be like, oh, well, except for, you know, trans women. Like, I, I, can, I can accept all sorts of other people except for... Yeah, it's a, the whole situation is... is a very complicated bit of a mess that does not exactly lend itself well to encapsulating in a brief little bow because there's a lot of law stuff going on with it. There's actually a lot of British law going on with it. There's um, a whole, there's, there's a whole lot of people trying to do the stuff that everybody does. This is just what we do. We sit there and we try and boil the whole thing down to easily digestible bites. Right. And it's not an easy thing to do in this particular case 
because I actually dug into it because I was like, what is this? Um, I have, and this is, this is grew as much out of my, what I don't do a lot of tweeting, um, but I do follow some people on part of the, the, the law Twitter community. Oh yeah. And this has actually got me digging into some of the legal side of things. It's like somebody will talk about some crazy case. It's like, and they go, read this brief. It's insane. And I'm like, okay. I think I will. Yeah. And, and so I, I don't up, do that because I spend all day doing that at work. Exactly. Um, so it's, I, I, I tend to look at these people and I don't, I, I've come to realize I have very little emotional investment in who these people are. Mm-hmm. And because and they're not friends of mine, they're not people I interact with. And you can't like, you can't, that's where I am sort of at this point too. Like I was shocked that, that this would happen, that JK Rowling would say something like this, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm a Hufflepuff. Exactly. You know? I mean, and yeah. like, I've not sat down and had a conversation with her about this. So I'm not, I can't make a value judgment about her as a person, except for like I, the things that I've seen on Twitter or, right. you know, heard people say where it's like, you know, and you know, you can't, I think it's one of those things, you can't be one of the richest women in the world and like not have some, some of your ideals change, even if you did start out in a, you know, almost, you know, in a near homeless situation or whatever. Right. Like, I think that that happens. I would say that's probably true. I just, you know, I'm, like I said, it's, it's a very complicated situation, but it's completely, it makes complete sense to me when someone says, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to support that person because this is what stuff they, they say or do. Right. Uh, because there's people I won't support for the same reason. So I mean, we, you, you gotta, you know, you gotta find that sweet spot where you're comfortable and you can justify it. Right. <laughs> it's like, okay, explain to me how you could read the books by this, you know, well, they're funny. Yeah, but he's a monster, but they're funny. Okay. You know how yeah. you, you gotta figure, you gotta figure that out for yourself. Um, well, it's the same thing with the guy who, who, uh, who did the kick-ass series. I can't remember his name and I'm not going to look it up. It's not that important to me. Um, Well, because uh, he, when kick-ass two was about to come out and I really liked kick-ass one and I liked kick-ass one so much that I went and read the comic and liked it pretty much. I thought, you know, there were some, some issues and, but whatever, it was supposed to be a sort of like alpha male fantasy you know, beta male becomes alpha male right. sort of fantasy thing. And, and, uh, and then it came out that the guy was like, yeah, I love to write rape scenes for my female characters because it gives the guy a really good motivation. And I was yeah. like, Oh, I'm never going to see anything or read anything you've ever done again, because that's like monstrous. That's a monstrous thing to say. Well, it's also, and as a writer, you know this. Mm. It's lazy. Yeah. It's lazy writing. Uh, kids, if you are planning on being a writer and you are looking for a motivation for your character, male or female, here's a few things you can stay away from. Death of a loved one, 
Don't fridge the boyfriend or the girlfriend. Right. Don't kill their gay best friend. That's, you know. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't have their boyfriend or girlfriend be a victim of sexual assault. Uh, Yes, it's a horrible, terrible, nightmarish thing. And it's been done to death. And we have enough real cases of that happening that it doesn't need to be a fictional motivation either. Not saying you can't write a good scene that involves those things. I'm saying. Or that it's not been done well before. Right. Oh, because I think there are, you know, there are, you know, I spit on your grave and, and, uh, and what was the one Jodie Foster was in? Like, you know, enough and sleeping with the enemy are all, you know, stories about people that have taken victimization and, and, uh, and, you know, and acted some sort of revenge and they're all pretty good, you know, movies, but like we can move on from that now, unless you have something really super new to say about it. Right. And I think that a lot of people just simply don't. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it's the same story, and and it's like, did, haven't we done this before? I mean, even you know the John Wick films are gigantic and huge, but I mean, come on, it's motivation of you killed my dog, um, and sure, it was a very cute dog, and and there the movies are a lot of fun, but it's still a lazy way to start the story. Right. But I think that that was, uh, I think that in that instance, I think that it was supposed to be the point. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a certain amount uh, of very self-aware. We know that we are, you know, swimming in the sea of cliches over here and we're going to sit there and have a great time doing it. Um, And they're very fun movies. I, I completely enjoy them. Right. But, yeah, so, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's not like the Walking Dead universe doesn't have its share of cliches either. <laughs> we've, I think we've discussed a few of those. They do, they do uh, bury your gaze pretty well. And I don't mean that in and a positive often. sense. Um, <laughs> occasionally they do, occasionally they do it right. I had absolutely no problem. I believe I've said this before. Uh, with the way that they did Tara. Right. Like, I think that, you know, that that was a really interesting choice that they made to supplement that character for Rosita and to, to have her like starting to come into her own and, and starting to like realize that she could be a leader of this community. And then, you know, have her not be that great a thing that happens to her, right. you know, or, you know, and like, I'm a little worried. Um, I was a little worried, but I've I've become less worried since about how they were going to handle Daryl meeting somebody that he, you know, might be attracted to because, you know, Daryl has, or Norman Reedus has described uh, his interest, his in, in not having Daryl have a love interest on this right. show and, and wanting him to kind of represent Either, you know, he I, he says it's because of trauma, but, you know, kind of an asexual stance of, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's so, so unheard of. I think, like, I was reading an article about uh, uh, sexual representation on TV this mm-hmm. week, and they listed, they listed two other asexual characters 
on a show. It didn't even mention Daryl. It didn't even right. didn't even come up that Daryl was was so far, while not actually coming out and saying I am an asexual person, has presented as asexual for nine years. Right. I was just listening to one of the podcasts I listen to regularly, the Magnus Archives. Mm. Uh, they just finished their fourth season, and they had a two part question and answer thing from their fans, basically asking them questions about the season, about the characters. And one of the things that had come up in the course of this season is that the main character, uh, um, uh, Jonathan, well, the, act, the the writer and actor's name is Jonathan Sims. And the name of the character that he plays on the show is Jonathan Sims. Um, the the two people are very, very different. Um, but one of the things that that because it's a horror series and they did not necessarily want to write it as, you know, they didn't want to get bogged down in romance. Um, one of the things that very early on his own personal headcanon was that this character was asexual mm-hmm. and we meet one of his previous relationships. And she sort of says in passing that he's just not somebody who seems to really be, you know, have, he doesn't have issues with intimacies. It's just, it doesn't interest him. Yeah. And uh, over the course of the series, over the four years, uh, very early on, one of his, he's got this staff at the archive and one of his employees, Martin, um, it's very clear that Martin at least early on has a crush on, on uh, Jonathan. And then by the end of the, but then it becomes very, very clear that as time goes by that he, no, he's very much in love with him. Um, and so you look at this going, this is just a sad, doomed relationship because, you know, and everybody in this, everybody on this show is essentially doomed. I mean, you just know it. <laughs> but by the time the season, the fourth season has rolled around, the end of the season has rolled around, they are in the closest thing that either one of these characters are going to have to a romantic relationship, even though the um, uh, Jonathan is, you know, the... Uh, is still asexual and doomed, and Martin is aware of of the fact of this fact, and probably also doomed. Also doomed, and but it was never an int- there was never an intent. This is just the way the show evolved, uh, and so and there was this interesting discussion where where Sims was talking about how there are fans who really do view this relationship as a romance, mm-hmm. and that's actually how he's been writing it, but. There are other fans who literally who just don't. They 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 get that they're supposed to see it, and they don't see it. It's to them, it's reading as um, these two people care about each other, mm-hmm. and Martin clearly does have romantic feelings for for Jonathan, but Jonathan doesn't have romantic feelings for anybody. He cares about people, and he cares about Martin. And so he said, if you because if you're viewing it that way, that's fine. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Once I've written it and put it out into the world, you know, uh, it's like he says, talks about how he can't go on Twitter and, and talk to people about the show because he feels like he's, he's thrown this amazing party and then turned into a giant that if he just turns around and puts out his hand, he's going to crush everyone. Uh, because, you know, he can't have an opinion on his own creation because it becomes the word of God. And he doesn't want to do that. He wants to basically sit there and go, take what you want, take what you get out of this. You know, this is, I'm not going to tell you what, what this means. 
except the points when I this means this. But if I don't tell you that, you... well, I mean that's that's what we were just talking about earlier—the death of the author. Like, right. how do you how do you separate the art from the creator? Mm-hmm. And this guy is like separating, doing it himself. And uh, John Green, uh, who wrote Turtles All the Way Down and and Looking for Alaska. Mm-hmm. You know, and and what's the other one? The really you know, sad one about the kids dying. Oh, I, you know what I'm talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, I know the one you're talking about. He used to say he hated going and answer like going to like speak about his books because people would ask him like, "What happened after this happened?" And he'd be like, "I don't know. <laughs> it's not up to me. Like, I didn't write that part." Right. Yeah. And people would get really mad. They'd be like. But you're the, like you said, you're God. You're supposed to know. And he was like, no, sorry. And people would get really mad at him. So, you know. Yeah, it's it's a very interesting, it was a very interesting discussion. I think that it's, I think it's a very, um, it's almost a healthy way as a writer to look at it because people are definitely going to interpret what you write and what you do in ways you did not intend. Mm-hmm. Uh, many, many, many creators have run into this problem and for good and for ill, some really cool things have come out of that. And some really bad things have come out of that. Um, There was recently a, well, when the Watchmen series, uh, the TV series was out. I never got to watch that. I I thought it was really good. I was really, I was, I was really impressed with how well they handled the same kinds of ideas as the comic book did. Not in the same way, not exactly the same ideas, but the same kind of ideas with respect for the original material, but not also not turning it into a, we're banking completely on the original material. I thought they did a really good job. Um, But there was all this whole, you know, people going, you know, Rorschach is a hero and all this. It's like, no, he's not. And if you go listen to, you know, Alan Morrill sit there and would, would tell you that Rorschach is a monster. He just happens to be a monster who's right about this one thing. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you're not supposed to be rooting for Rorschach. You're supposed to understand him. But you, if you're rooting for Rorschach, you're doing this wrong. <laughs> and, and you know, he was never, you know, Alan Moore, of course, has never, never been known for his, no, no, it doesn't matter what I think, viewpoint. Uh, right. <laughs> I'll tell you what I think. <laughs> Exactly. And you will be told. <laughs> but I thought it was handled really, really well. And I think there's, you know, the difficulty there can be, of course, you know, the authors sometimes who really want things to mean just this one thing. So. Right. And I think, I mean, if I had, <laughs> if I were, if I were a better, more consistent writer, which I have totally, you know, you know, I've, I've, uh, I need to, to start trying to, to fix that particular flaw. You should. Yeah. Uh, is that I, I never, the stories could never end for me. Oh yeah. Like I was constantly like, well, yes, this is where this ends here. But if you wanted to know what happened afterward, I could tell you exactly what happened. afterward. like, (laughs) I would be, if I, if I were, you know, I would probably be exactly like J.K. Rowling's where I'd be like, oh, yes, you want to know what happened to Timmy after, you know, the end of the story? Well, first he went to college, and then he met a nice girl. And, you know, 
<laughs> I can tell you everything that happened to Timmy. Right. Sure. <laughs> well, folks, we are going to have a lot of things to tell you in the weeks ahead. Uh, you're listening to this. You can't see Dustin yawn, but I can see Dustin yawn. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, no, that's fine. It's, it's, we're recording this later than we, we sometimes will. Uh, sometimes uh, that's just what happens. Uh, but we, like I said, this is the episode where we come back and say, hey, we're still alive. Um, don't send out search parties because we're right where we are expected to be found. Uh, <laughs> right here. Speaking In front of our computers. Exactly. <laughs> speaking into your ears in this very podcast. Uh, but we will be back with more stuff, of course, obviously about the Walking Dead universe, but other things as well, because currently there is no Walking Dead show on the, you know, being broadcast right now. That is going to change here relatively soon. And we will, of course, have plenty of things to say about it, I am sure. If you would like to give us a comment, let us know what you think about this discussion or any of our Walking Dead discussions or any of our other horror discussions because we have talked about movies and podcasts and other things um, and probably we'll have plenty of those discussions in between now and the first episode of the new Walking Dead season. Which I don't think is until February. I think, well, but this is like the end of January, so... But this January has lasted six months. It it has actually been a fairly... uh, There's a lot happened this month, yeah. So, uh, but you you can find us on Facebook where Dustin, you know, tells... Tells wild, outrageous lies. Outrageous lies. Um, and you can find us on Twitter. Uh, uh, yeah, and and you know, help me help me talk Mo Collins into showing up on our show. Exactly. Or Jenna Elfman. I'd love to talk about it with Jenna Elfman, but you know, I would probably it would be bad because I would not want to talk to her about anything but Dharma and Greg. Sure. And it would be it would suck because I would probably spend about thirty minutes talking about how angry I was that <laughs> Chuck Lorre even suggested for a second in two and a half men that Dharma and Greg did not end up happy together. I could write an essay. I've only watched one episode of Two and a Half Men, Tim, and it was the episode where he suggested that Dharma and Greg ended up in a loveless marriage. It's all you need to watch of Two and a Half Men. I think you're, you, you've, got, you've got the gist of it. So, All right, folks. Um, yeah, find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook. Share the podcast with your friends. Uh, let us know what you think. We would love to hear it. And we'll, uh, we'll do this again next week. We'll do this again next week. We're saying it yes. right now. Next week. We're going to do this again. We'll, we'll do it. All right. On the Zompocalypse now. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. All right. And thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next week. Zompocalypse Now is produced by Dustin Adair and Timothy Harvey for Just Some Guy Productions.